0: Listening to the Como Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today is Sunday, June the twelfth, two thousand twenty-two. Pastor Scott Gordon continues his study in healthy habits, with service and motivation. Part two, to a three-part study on motivation within the Christian church. Now we send it over to Pastor Scott. And as we face our opportunity and our calling. We will find that as we go into all the world, everybody is facing the same challenges that we face. As we go into all the world, we are all on the same field. We are all in the same arena, if you will. And we are looking for the answers that God only can provide. And for others to hear, we must go. We are the ones who are called to serve. We cannot expect those who live outside of the faith to have any desire whatsoever to take the message of our faith into all the world. And so we have been given that privilege. We have been given the blessing of being ambassadors for Christ. Paul mentions that in the scripture. And as we began talking about last week, we have a definitive expectation from our Lord regarding this issue of service. In Matthew chapter four and verse 10, we read this. In the last of the temptations, Jesus' response to Satan himself is this. Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And so, putting that context together for us, last week, we talked about three motivations for our service. The first being obedience. It's our calling. God has called us to a life of service. Another motivation is that of gratitude or thankfulness. In response to the love that God has shown us, we return that response of love back by not only obedience, but in a thankful way saying, Lord, I want to honor you. I want to serve you. I want to serve others with all my heart. And then we see ourselves with the third motivation we talked about last week, that of forgiveness and not guilt. The very salvation, the very indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the the very aspect of the Christian life is done because God made the way. God provided for us the salvation by which we can honor and glorify him. Then we put into context, and uh, I should have said here, place your finger in Psalm 100 and then be ready to run because we're going to be all over the scriptures today. One that we started with last week and would be good for us to have as we jump into three more motivations this week for our expectation our habit of service is romans chapter 12 and verse 1 therefore brothers and sisters in view of the mercies of god i urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true worship i want to focus in on that last phrase because in various translations that phrase of your true worship You may read in a a different translation that, that brings some wonderful nuances to this command in our lives. Otherwise, we read it is your reasonable service. It is your spiritual service. It is your spiritual worship. Your spiritual service of worship or your true and proper worship. I think we have a bottom line here. That the opportunity of living for Christ, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, living to honor God the Father, all of who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, is our true calling. It is our true worship. It is reasonable to expect. This is not an unreasonable demand on our lives. Our Lord, who gave his life for our sin, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, went to the cross and died for us. That those who would place their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord, repenting of their sin, would have the wonderful blessing and privilege of having their sins forgiven. A new life in Christ begun a wonderful promise of the presence of God with us each and every day as we live, and that bright hope for tomorrow, that eternal hope of when Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you will always be. Oh, there's so much there that you could preach a sermon to get ready for this sermon, and I think I may have just done that. But let's look at three more motivations. In our worship, in our service and those go hand in hand. They don't compete with each other. Another motivation for our service is gladness. This is Psalm 100 in verse two. It says this, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So service and worship we see hand in hand given to us again. Now the question is, when we think of ourselves as Christians, In service of our Lord, who is our Lord, who is God. And a picture that we often have of Jesus of God is that he is the king of kings. He is the king of kings. And in the court of ancient kings, it was not looked well upon to be sad in service of the king to be downcast or to be disinterested or, you know, like, okay, I've got like an hour left on the clock and then think, man, I can get out of here. You know, like we fill in our jobs and maybe someday punching the clock going, oh, man, hurry up, hurry up. I'm ready. I'm ready to get out of here. Or it's just like walking in, punching the clock and going, I'm here. What do I have to do? You know, that, that is, that is a, an aspect that as we even look at the scriptures, I mean, in Nehemiah, he was a, a servant of the king in his day, even of a foreign king. And we read in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 2, said, The king said to me, why do you look so sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then he says something that when we think about the context we just talked about makes sense, it says I was overwhelmed with fear. It says when, when the king saw that, he was sad in the service. You know, the king, that would look like, hey, this king's not worth serving or this king is, is a bad king or, or something like that. That would have been the, the picture that was given. And so when he was sad, in Nehemiah's case, he was sad because of his home. And Jerusalem was still in ruins. He'd gotten report that, that there was still a bunch of upheaval there, if you will. It was not settled. It was not rebuilding. It was not coming back. And he was sad. And the king says, why are you sad? And the fact that that was noticed by the king brought Nehemiah to a point of, of fear and going, wait a minute. Oh, no. Now, that's not going to be the case with us. We have nothing to fear from our king. How can we not, as the scripture says, serve the Lord with gladness? The writer Don Whitney that I have been drawing from his book on on these uh, opportunities, these aspects of our lives as Christians, says something like this. And I think it's very poignant and something for us all to consider He says this, something is wrong if you can't serve the Lord with gladness. I can understand why the person who serves God only out of obligation doesn't serve with gladness. I can understand why the person who serves God in an attempt to earn his way to heaven doesn't serve with gladness. But the Christian who gratefully acknowledges what God has done for him for eternity should be able to serve God cheerfully and with joy. So Christians, we do well to ask ourselves, if I am in that position of not feeling that level of serving the Lord with gladness, the question is why? Is it maybe that we're distracted But if that is a perpetual aspect of our lives, is it the fact that our motivation for service or our connection to our Lord is not what God has established it to be? And it is not what we need. We need to reevaluate. That's part of my life story. I grew up in church. As we've been talking recently with all that's going on in SBC life, a a friend of mine who has come into and is pastoring but doesn't come from an SBC background says, well, you're kind of a legacy SBC. I said, well, yeah, I grew up SBC. I mean, the joke goes, I mean, I was Southern Baptist nine months before I was born. I mean, I was in church that way. And, and, you know, we find that, that level of connection that is, is drawn in there. But the aspect of our service is not drawn into that level of connection. It is in who God is and what he has done. And the fact that I grew up going to church and then walked an aisle because somebody else did and filled out a card because the friend I took to VBS did... didn't make me a Christian it took a few years after that for me to be in a situation where through another preacher God used his message to essentially tap me on the shoulder and say you know a lot about me but you don't have a relationship with me and it was at that point that God changed my life forever in which I repented of my sin, placed my faith and trust in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And have there been ups and downs since then? Has there been serving the Lord with gladness? And has there been serving the Lord with I hope so? Yes. Yes. But I want my heart to be this. I want our heart to be this. Echo the wonderful, and it's a song that we would even be familiar with, and it happens to be based on Scripture, Psalm 84, verse 10. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in tents with wicked people. And so there's that picture of gladness. I'd rather be, and I often will, will joke in, in that aspect, that if I stand in the door and, and, and some people have said, hey, you got caught holding the door, I said, it's at least a job I can do as people come into church. Man, I'd rather be standing at the door of the church and, and gathering with my brothers and sisters in Christ than to be anywhere else. And to have that fellowship, not just on Sunday, but carry throughout the week. It is a gladness. It is a blessing. It is an opportunity that we have in serving our Lord together and serving one another as our Lord commands. Then there's another one. If you'll turn to Philippians chapter 2, we'll be heading that direction. As we consider another motivation for our service, and that is humility every every time i hear this word i'm reminded of two things one a movie and the next is liz de who after i quoted this movie shortly after i got here said man you preach like an old man and i said i don't i didn't really say anything i, I think the look probably said it all like he <laughs> says no 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 said, you preach from the truth simply straightforward and she said and the fact that you like Camelot says a lot about you and I'm going and if you just knew how she would approach things kind of that way, it was a, a wonderful and funny opportunity. But every time I hear the word humility, I'm reminded of that, song, of that, uh, that musical that became a film uh, in, the, in the 60s starring uh, Richard Harris and Vanessa Redgrave. And then this guy named Franco Nero who played Lancelot. And the Lancelot of, of that movie was... Uh, a very proud individual. He was very self-sufficient. And, and, he had a, and in fact, he had a, a problem understanding and had really no use for what he would say was humility. And you go, what is that? Why, why is that important? And that was, of course, a, a cornerstone of the Knights of the Round Table and the King Arthur legend. And all of that, that level of service was part of their picture. And humility is a strong motivator and a good perspective bringer for us as Christians as well. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we read, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And so here's another motivation for our service, is the opportunity to know that it is not we ourselves who... Make all of this happen, or the reason that this exists, or that we are not the pinnacle focus of all that is going on, or that is going to continue to go on. It is Him that is our Lord alone. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have an opportunity to understand and enjoy and celebrate the blessings that we have been given, but we need to be reminded. That it's not just all about us. It's about everyone else. It's about others as well. And the opportunity to think not only about our own interest, but even more importantly about the interest of others. And to be able to have that aspect of service that we see in the example of our Lord. In John 2. Chapter 13, verses 12 to 16, we read of that opportunity of Jesus is gathering in the upper room. And this leads us towards that Easter celebration of, of the cross and all that is going on. And we read in John chapter 13, verses 12 to 16. First of all, verse 12 says, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? Then in the context of, of that, that text of Scripture, he, he says, here's what I'm doing. I am your Lord and your teacher, and I have washed your feet, and you ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And Then verse 16 says this, Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. So we find ourselves well-positioned in remembering and in leading is this. It is not do as I say, it is watch what I do and do that as well. Jesus didn't just go say, serve one another. He brought a bunch of ragtag, dirty, messed up guys into his inner circle of confidence. And in the midst of that, as he was the greatest among them, without question, when he brought them into this especially difficult time and important time, and they sat down, he took on not only the role of host, but the role of servant as well. And he girded himself up, he brought, the towel, he brought out the water bowl, and he washed their feet. Peter got upset, no, no. He said, if I don't do this for you, Peter, you've been out. And then Peter said, well, not just my feet. Give me the whole bath. And Jesus was going, Peter, you just don't get it yet. And he continues to tell the story. Peter's like all of us. We're all like Peter and all the disciples. We just at times are distracted, don't focus. But I'm thankful for the heart of Jesus. We see it exemplified there in John chapter 13. We're reminded in Matthew 11 that Jesus said, take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls that's humility who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the Father on high and he makes intercession for us Oh, there's so much beautiful truth here. What does this look like for us as we think about humility? If we look back and just think back about Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says this, For by grace given to me, I tell you, everyone among you, not to thank himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. In that same chapter, verse 13, he says, Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. That's what it looks like. It looks like a heart of service. We are not just serving our Lord as our king and master and fulfilling our calling in that way, but in serving him, we are serving others as well. You know, in seminary, they didn't give us a class on cleaning toilets. They didn't. I can tell you in various places I've served youth pastor, pastor children's minister I've cleaned a few toilets in my time we are all called to fulfill this calling and at any point in our lives as Christians there is no level of service that is too low for us too inconsequential for us that we cannot fulfill and be a blessing to someone In some way Whether it's helping prepare a room for a meeting whether it is simply taking the time out of our schedule to Set aside our concerns and maybe our worries and our needs and and our plans for the day To talk to somebody that God brings across our path Who needs a word of encouragement? Who needs just an ear to listen for a moment? And in that humility, we find ourselves not only ready to serve, but I guarantee you, we will be blessed in being served by someone else as well. Then I want us to look at one final motivation for service, to fulfill the expectation of our calling, and it is love. We have gladness, humility, and love. Saving the best for last, I hope that's not, oh, that's better than obedience. No, love and obedience go hand in hand. But I believe love is one that we can just sit with for a moment and look at the the blessing that it brings to our lives and the blessing we can be to other lives as we turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's just a few pages to the left from Philippians back over to Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, we read these words. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And if your Bible's anything like mine, that last phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, is in some way highlighted. It's bold. It's italicized. It's in all caps or something like that to say that this was a reminder of a truth that had been revealed in the Old Testament. It is a truth that everybody in Jesus' immediate circle among Jewish friends and and communities from town to town that he would have traveled would have known. And in Paul's day, he grew up with this very understanding as well. So as he's encouraging the followers of Christ who are a blessed inheritor of the tradition that God revealed himself through the Old Testament. Are to carry on these commands and these callings in our lives even to this very day in fact if we were to look at Jesus life he told a story about this in Luke chapter 10 we read of the story of the Good Samaritan but it's because an expert in the law stood up and testing him said teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered this way, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. seems this person in the story knew the very same truth Paul's talking about right here. You've answered correctly, Jesus told them, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? There's another moment of every time I hear that, not only do I think about the scripture, I think about VeggieTales. Because they had a whole episode about who is my neighbor and all of these different things early on. uh, In those wonderful kid cartoons about these important biblical truths. But as we continue on in that story of the the good Samaritan, we read of that individual who went walking down that road and was accosted by robbers who took things from him, injured him, beat him, and left him for dead on the side of the road. And as he had been left there, two others walked by, a priest and then a Levite as well, and for selfish reasons, quite honestly, walked on by. Then a Samaritan walked along, saw this man, had compassion, picked him up, bandaged him up, helped address those wounds, took him to a place where he could stay to recover, left him there, told the innkeeper, any expenses you incur for him, I'll pay for when I get back. Just take care of him. And then in verses Uh, 36 and 37 of Luke chapter 10. After telling this story, Jesus asked this one who came to him, he says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He responded to Jesus, the one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus, responding, told him, go and do the same. That having mercy, the one who showed mercy had mercy on him should be the characteristic of believers of you and me it is a love that shows in action what the heart of god is to do otherwise is to do a disservice to the name of christ and to the kingdom of god you see, because for us, this motivation of love for our service to our king and on behalf of our king in the world in which we live as ambassadors for Christ, we're reminded of, of this truth from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verses 14 and 15. It says, the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all so that... Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. See, that's got got to be our mindset. Truth is important. It's foundational to who we are. But I'm going to say equally as important is a connection relationally to the people whom God has called us to serve. If because of our stance on the truth... We will push others away from us who disagree with us or would even call us out is not the example we read for ourselves here in Scripture. We are called to love. We are called to humility. We are called, let's be honest, in that context to be uncomfortable as the people of God. But Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 reminds us of this. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. We may not see the reward of that blessing here and now. In fact, it it could get, if you're trying to have a conversation with someone you've never met at their house, it could get a door shut in your face. It could get an argument started, unfortunately. It's not our desired goal, but these things will happen when you start talking about the cause of Christ. But we cannot neglect to do what is good and to share. For God is pleased, he is blessing us, he is strengthening us. There is a reward for us, even if it's not here and now, the blessing of eternity with him is beyond measure beyond what any of us deserves and is certainly another aspect of our motivation in service for him you see as we as we think about these truths as we think about these motivations a phrase comes to mind that we are often used to hearing in maybe legal circumstances the preponderance of evidence, the preponderance of evidence, I hope that this Sunday and last Sunday, with the evidence of even just six motivating factors, we have an overwhelming preponderance of evidence that is sufficient to motivate our service for our Lord. Our service for our Lord and for each other with obedience and gratitude, forgiveness, gladness, humility, and love. I've tried to highlight two scriptures throughout these two weeks regarding our motivation for service. One is Psalm 100 and verse 2 serve the lord with gladness in matthew chapter 4 and verse 10 we've mentioned that we are to worship the lord your god and serve him only now as we think about that that's kind of a a bottom line aspect of our calling but i mentioned last week something that i believe is important it's one thing to get kind of the why The, 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 how do we start the fire? How do we get the enthusiasm? How do we get the motivation? And we find these aspects. We're called to it. Gratitude, out of a full heart, we want to return the love that God has shown us and express our love for Him. Forgiveness, the fact that God made a way for us who were dead in our trespasses and sins to be forgiven and to have a relationship with him that is the complete life he wants us to live now in the midst of all the challenges and thankfully one day will be rewarded with the presence with him for eternity in heaven with a gladness that is just an overflowing joy with a humility that says, hey, what I enjoy, I want to share with others. I want everybody else to get in on and understand the blessed privilege of forgiveness of sin and Jesus being Savior and Lord. And all of this is wrapped up in love. As we even talked about in our Sunday school class this morning, John 3, we're very familiar with, often in churches. John 3, 16, we even see on cardboard posters at football games, behind the gold post as they kick the extra point that says God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life what a wonderful privilege that picture is for us and either as we come to acknowledge our need for Jesus as our Savior, and that may be you today, or as having been saved for whatever period of time in our life we have been following Christ, we are reminded again that we have the privilege of service. We must have that habit of service be a characteristic of our lives. But it's one thing to be motivated. It's another thing to do. How do I do it? Well, in two weeks, as I pick back up, we're going to look at not just the why, but the how. How do I live a life of service that brings honor and glory to God? How can I do it? Because I see others, other people look talented, or they've got a lot of knowledge, or they have a lot of charisma, or they have, or they have but me. I don't. I can't. I'm not. I want to say this. All of us are. All of us are what? Be here in two weeks. You're listening to the Clay Cullen Baptist Church sermon podcast. For more information about Clay Cullen, please visit us online at www.claybapt.org.